We're going to be in the book of Acts. You see the scripture up there. We're going to look at three verses this morning. I'm just excited about this morning. Um, Bill and Rick are here this morning, and they're going to be sharing um, quite a bit after I preach about what is going on in Basque Country and with exchange students coming over here and our connection and how God is working. And uh, so excited how God is working and what he has in store. If you'd stand with me, I'm going to read just these three verses as you follow along. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And then I'll pray for us. Acts chapter 1. Verse 6, so when they met together, and that's when Jesus' disciples were with Jesus, just before he ascended back into heaven, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I think if emotions were included in the text, it would be like Jesus let out a big sigh. And said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father. I pray that you would um, open our hearts and our minds and and excite us as we look at these verses this morning together of what you've called us to be and what you've commissioned us to do as your people, your church. And Father, that it would raise within us and cause to arise within us just even this morning um, through your Holy Spirit touching our hearts and our minds a fresh excitement to be the people in this world you've called us to be for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me sit down. And I saw in the middle of the throne and of the four living creatures. In the middle of the elders, a lamb standing as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the sevenfold spirit of God sent out into all the earth. And he came, the lamb came, and took out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to open the seals, for you were slain, and you did purchase for God with your blood people from every tribe and tongue and people 
and nation and made them to be for our God a kingdom and priests and they will reign upon the earth. That's out of Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. And I encourage you to read that. Read, read Revelation 4 and 5. They're just amazing chapters and verses that just open up for us kind of a glimpse of heaven and the worship around the throne that's going to be people from all over the globe. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation Every one of the 16,650 people groups that are in the world. That's a thrilling picture. I mean, I hope you get that. I mean, just this, it's like a choir of millions upon millions upon millions of people together of every race and color and variety and ethnic category and economic status and place upon this globe together worshiping Jesus who purchased us with his blood. You know, I love hearing about the ways that God works in our world. Um, when I get together with somebody and we're, we're talking and I find out just another way that God is working in Kitsap County or in Afghanistan or in London, England, I, I tell you, it just is so exciting for me. Beginning right here in Kitsap County and spreading throughout the world, just ways that God is working. And, and if anything, I trust that our time this morning would just begin to afresh instill within every one of us this morning that excitement about what God is doing and what God would do through us, his church, as a part of his greater church throughout the world. Good news clubs that are taking place in grade schools all across our county. That should be exciting to us. Camping programs, we're going to find out a little bit later. Basque exchange student programs. Ministries to youth, young people in foster care. Ministries providing homeless housing and resources in our county and beyond. Ministries to prisoners and their families. Just a little side note, Newton. Just saw Chuck Colson, who um, went to be with the Lord yesterday, I think it was, um, who started Prison Fellowship, a wonderful worldwide ministry to prisons around the world. Uh, orphanages. Um, some of you have been in the past and are involved with COTN in uh, establishing orphanages and schools in Africa. Ministries to trafficking victims. Uh, Rosie and those of Scarlet Road and, and others are involved with that in our county and beyond. Mentoring programs, mill programs, Christian schools and daycares, pregnancy resource services, medical and dental ministries, literacy and music ministries, recovery programs, evangelism and discipleship programs, and on and on and on. We can go. I mean, when I'm when I find out about those things, I mean, it excites me. Just the huge variety of ways that God is working in our world. And there's just so many of them. So often we hear about the big ones, you know, and, and that's great. But there's just so many. I mean, I'm sure there's even now dozens and dozens and dozens of ministries that are happening in Kitsap County that I'm not even aware of yet. And that's exciting. 
the body of Christ together, obeying what it says in Matthew 28, going and making disciples of all nations, of every people group, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that Jesus commanded us. And he said, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Is that exciting? I tell you, it it gets me a lot more excited um, than hearing about people in churches who are sidetracked or who are splitting over the, you know, whether or not there should really be a crack down the middle of this aisle or we should repair it or whether the colors on the walls are really the colors that they should be, you know, and whether or not we should even be here because of that color. Or the kind of music that's sung, whether, you know, we should sing all hymns or all choruses or some of each or, you know, some country or some gospel. or you know, It's amazing, and it breaks my heart how so many who are part of the church, instead of being excited and a part of the spread of the gospel throughout the world, beginning right here, are so caught up with like, things like the color of the carpet or the menu of the potluck next week, wondering if you know, you'd even want to show up next Sunday depending on what food's going to be here. You know? Or whether or not you know, we should celebrate the Lord's Supper the way that we do. Should it be in little cups? that we pass out or and little wafers or bread that we break or you know I mean it's amazing and, and why is that? That's the question I want to ask as you think I'm maybe a little weird is why is that? Why why do so often we get sidetracked and split and and instead of being a church, the church of Jesus Christ that is about being his witnesses in the world. What's the problem? If I were to simplify it, and what we see here in Acts chapter 1, from the verses that we read, I think what happens is so often we've forgotten why we exist. So often, the church of Jesus Christ, we forget. Why, what are we about anyway? Why do we exist? And and, it's, and, and forgetting what we read here uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're kind of like the apostles as they were with Jesus. And it's just amazing. Just moments, just moments, the last moments that they had with him before he ascended and went back to be with the Father to prepare a place for us. Just moments. What is their focus? It's themselves what it is it's themselves it's interesting we you know it wasn't that long many weeks ago that we went through the book of Jonah together and Jonah had the same problem he could care less in fact he would was very happy that the Ninevites would go to hell as long as Israel was comfortable and okay and everything was hunky-dory for Israel who cares about the Assyrians the Ninevites And that's what we see. You know, it doesn't matter that Jesus in the 
the few years that he walked with his disciples and he ministered on this earth and over and over and over again demonstrated by his words and illustrated by his life what was important and why he came for the poor, for the widows, for the Samaritans, the strangers, the foreigners, for everyone, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. After years of walking with him and watching him minister to and love people of every economic status and and, and religious variety and, and race, we come to right here just moments before he's to ascend back into heaven and the disciples say, Lord, is it time? Is it time for Israel to get what's coming to Israel? I mean, to hell with the rest of everybody else, you know? Is it time for us? Jesus is amazingly patient. I mean, what they're asking is, okay, are you going to wipe out the Romans now and make us a nation? Who cares about anybody else? Is it time for us to be all by ourselves, your special people? It's amazing how patient Jesus is. I mean, this must have just... I mean, imagine. He's just poured his life into these guys, spent three to four years with them, illustrated for them his amazing love. And the kingdom that he came to build, the church that he came to build made up of people from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. And they're saying, just before he leaves, okay, is it all about us now? Notice how he simply responds. And I think it's him bringing them, them back one more time, and I, and I hope us back one more time to, this is what it's about. This is why we exist. You know, it's not about, and I, I thought Daniel's suggestion was good about sitting on something hard. So, so you remember that it's not about comfort, you know. In fact, maybe you should all just get up and sit on the floor. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> My only concern was you'd probably start looking through Where's Waldo in the middle of the service, and that would defeat the point. It's not about us, our comfort. what we want, what we like. And notice how Jesus simply comes back to it. As they say, Lord, is it time where it's going to be about us? He says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He's saying, it's not your job to figure out the future or to wonder about times and peoples and places and how everything will work out for you it's not about you. And then the point is verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's not about you. It's about them. It's about our world. That's why he's called us together. 
in order to overflow and replicate and multiply what he has done amongst us that others who still need to know him would also hear. Man, we forget so easily, don't we? That he saved us. I love an old song, I think it's by Scott Wesley Brown, that says we've been blessed to be a blessing. We've been blessed to be a blessing. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been adopted in order to proclaim the good news to others that it's available for them too. It's not just our own little club that we got going here. Beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's what we want to look at just for a few more minutes here. As Acts chapter 1 verse 8 outlines for us in, in just a nutshell the whole book of Acts. Giving us a glimpse of God's design for us. His church. It's multiplication. And, and, and the way I picture it, and if you can picture it, I think it, it's as we look at this Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, it's like dropping a rock in a puddle. And the ever-widening circles that flow out of that. It's like the gospel is like dropped here. And it begins here in our hearts and in our lives and in this church. And in the lives and hearts and churches of people all across the world. Where they are, where we are. And in ever-widening circles, that witness expands and, and expands and grows and multiplies and reproduces until around the throne there will be some from every tongue and tribe and people and nation together worshiping Jesus. So I'm going to summarize it just briefly. Jerusalem. Witnesses in Jerusalem. What does that mean? That means where we are. We begin where we are. Your home, your neighborhood, the town that you live in, your school, your workplace. That's what it's, we begin where we are. Otherwise, maybe it's just an adventure, you know? Not really about being witness for Je- witnesses for Jesus, but the excitement of doing something that we're not doing here, but sounds really exciting to do somewhere else. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side kind of thing. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, His power, it says, and we will be witnesses beginning where we are. And just, just to ask you, how, how, are we, how are we doing with that? Where you work, that's where it begins. In your neighborhood, where you're going to school, where you live. That's where it begins. And that's where it began in the book of Acts. And we see beginning in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the day of Pentecost, through Acts chapter 7, verse 60. That's the focus. It's Jerusalem. And that's where the Holy Spirit is poured out to, to begin with on the day of Pentecost. And we just see a massive multiplication of the church in Jerusalem. Thousands and thousands of people as the disciples, the apostles, witness to the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus, people's lives are changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where it began. Where does it begin? Where you are. Okay? Where you are. 
And then it goes on to Judea. And in, in the book of Acts, if you're reading, and I'd encourage you to read through it, beginning in chapter 8. Actually, just flip there really quick. Beginning in chapter 8. This is just going to be a quick outline. Notice what happens. Well, with the support of this guy named Saul, Stephen became the first martyr of the church. And coming out of Stephen's martyrdom, look at Acts chapter 8. It says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout, where? Judea and Samaria. It seems like they were having a hard time thinking beyond where they were. And so God had to nudge them out. They were having a grand old time seeing the church grow. And, and that can happen easily, can't it? Man, we just love being together and we just love the fellowship. We love the worship. We love the encouragement. And so it's kind of hard to think beyond Jerusalem where we are to Judea and Samaria. And Judea is kind of just an expansion. It's going from Bremerton to Port Orchard to Paulsbow. Or if you start in Paulsbow, going from Paulsbow to Hansville to... Suquamish, and then across the Hood Canal Bridge. It's, that's the Judea. The Samaria, the Samaritans were half-breeds. They were the people across the tracks. People from a different economic status, a different race. They were, they were people that the Jews didn't really like. And, but that's how the gospel spreads in ever-widening circles. And that's what you'll see beginning in Acts chapter 8. Verse 1 through the end of Acts chapter 8. And we see the gospel spreading through Judea and then Samaria. And, uh, and then a glimpse of it, the very end of Acts chapter 8, we see um, Philip speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch, the guy that's in the court of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And we see the beginning of what then, beginning in Acts chapter 9 through the rest of Acts, is to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And, and it's, like, it's like when that, the gospel rock is dropped in the pond and the, gospel, the good news of the gospel is understood. It just keeps rippling out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why when I was going to school in Dallas, Texas, and, and my roommate and I were driving around Dallas, and we were reaching out to our neighbors, and we kept reaching out a little bit farther, that we began reaching out in one of the housing projects. Because our longing that the gospel that we were sharing with our neighbors would, would also extend to these other people that, didn't have the gospel to them. And, and it just keeps extending out. It's, it's why we started the Coffee Oasis. It says we were pastoring another church in Bremerton and, and God began to bring into our lives people who were homeless. It began with a, a gal that came into our home and, uh, to get off meth became a daughter to us. 
her brother and wife and two kids were living with us at the time. We invited her to live with us and she came to Christ and, and through her we had a, a, a big guy, a bodyguard for the, the leader of the skinheads in Kitsap County began to come to our house. God took him home a few years ago. Um, came to Christ. Uh, another guy, a motorcycle gang guy. They just start, And God just began to open our eyes beyond our neighborhood and beyond our church to our community to in a way that, man, the gospel has to go there too. And so the gospel in ever-widening circles begins to expand. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ compels us. If we get the good news, those ripples have to go out. They have to. Because we can't keep it for ourselves, can we? As I mentioned earlier, ooh, I, I quoted it wrong. Did you know there are 16,350, not 650, 16,350 different people groups in the world? It's a lot. And of those 16,350, 6,645 of them, that's, that's a lot, of those people groups are considered least reached or unreached peoples in our world. They don't have what we have here this morning. Many of them Bibles, they don't have it. Many of them unable to meet like we do in safety, having to meet secretly because of the opposition that surrounds them. 6,645 different people groups, which is about 2.85 billion people. And that's why as the, the gospel drops among us, that why we exist as a church is, is to see that keep rippling outward. Multiplication. Reproduction. So what begins here and what's happening in an exciting way, just, just as our, just our church and ministry expanding to Port Orchard and now into Paul's Bow. And, and it's interesting within just the last, few weeks have had three different people totally unrelated asking us to move to Portland, Oregon. People that live there. Um, and totally unrelated. Could that be one of the places that we end up bringing the gospel to? Ultimately, it's why Cindy and I many years ago against the counsel of a lot of people who thought we were crazy for bringing a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a six-month-old into a rebel-controlled, unreached people group of a million, the Maguindanao in the southern Philippines, why a bunch of people said, man, you're crazy for doing that. I mean, it's not safe. And, and you're wasting your masters of theology. What do those people need it for? Because the gospel has to ripple out if we really believe it and we really understand the love of Christ, it, it will compel us. And so we had to do it. It's why we as a church have to keep asking the question, what now, Lord? What now? 
I was just asked that question a couple of days ago by somebody saying, well, you know, when you started the Coffee Oasis, did you think it would keep growing like it has? And, and, and my answer often is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. You know, now to him who is able to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine, to him be glory. You know, that God is a God that, that does abundantly above and beyond. But the other part of the answer is, is this what we see right here is that it has to keep growing. <laughs> it has to. It has to keep expanding because it's, that's what the gospel does. If it grabs lives, we've got to be saying, what, what now, Lord? We can't keep it for ourselves. It's not about us. There are so many others that haven't heard. In Kitsap County and beyond in Washington State and in the United States of America and in the countries of our world that contain those 6,645 people that have not even yet heard the gospel, many of them. And so where will it be from here? Well, as many of, most of you know, last September, four of us went to Basque country, Daniel and Cindy and Curtis and myself um, with Impact Basque to seek out and search out, Lord, is this what could be next to the ends of the earth? The Basque people, and I'm going to let them share this mostly, are the only unreached people group in Europe. The Basque people. And so as God has opened the door, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, it was like, Lord, is this one of the ways that you would cause the gospel to ripple out from us to the ends of the earth? And we believe it is. And that's why we're going to be talking about it today. And there will be others. There will be other things that will come up. And it could be one of you that God, through somebody or some situation, find out about something going on in Yakima or Albuquerque or an opportunity in Afghanistan or Iran. Those sound kind of scary, don't they? where the gospel has to ripple out to those who need to hear the good news like we have. Romans 10 says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent, even as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. And I guess if I were to summarize it simply, I'd, I'd say that's what I want us to be. I want us to be a bunch of beautiful feet people. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, that's hard for me because I don't have very pretty feet, <laughs> naturally. But as a, a witness... <laughs> of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I hope that excites us. Maybe just a little bit more today that that excites you and even begins to keep you awake at night. Like it does me. Thinking about the opportunities here in Kitsap County. The neighborhoods, like over Easter weekend, the two neighborhoods that we reached out to. And there's so many more like that just here and beyond Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That we would be people who can't sleep at night, 
because of the thought of the opportunities that there are to share the gospel that God is putting before us. Multiplying community groups and churches in every location that God would open up before us to bring the gospel. Now, just one last comment. If that doesn't excite you, that vision that I've just shared, it, it might be, or it probably is, because the gospel doesn't excite you. Because if, you know, if you're excited about the mariners, which takes a lot, you know, I, I'm not excited about them at all. Unless somebody gave me a free ticket, I could be excited for one night. Um, <laughs> but if you're excited about the Mariners or the Seahawks or donuts, I can get excited about those. And you're going to talk to people about it, right? It's like, oh, man, I can tell you the best place to get a chocolate eclair or an apple fritter. And I'm happy to talk about it because it's important to me, not to my wife. It's the, it should be the same way with the gospel. Second Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ compels us. It, 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 it controls us. We've got to tell people. And if we don't have that compulsion, it might be because the, the gospel, we don't know the gospel, or the gospel, have, we've, we've forgotten the gospel in, in our busyness. Sometimes we're so busy doing stuff for God, we've lost sight of the gospel. And I really want us, as I conclude, just to say that's the starting place. I, this, this isn't a cheerleading thing I'm doing here to get everybody you know, excited and you know, to let's go change our world, take our world for Jesus. And we just wear ourselves out pretty quick because it's a lot of fleshly energy we put into it. The starting point for every one of us again and again is let's, let's get excited about the gospel. And I'm convinced that as we continue to be excited about the gospel, as, as we reflect a little bit later, as we share the Lord's Supper together and we meditate on what he's done for us through his death on the cross, and we get that and we get excited about it, then I'm excited as a church that we're going to keep seeing those ripples go out farther and farther and farther, changing our world for Jesus. Let me pray. Father, oh, make us that people, those individuals, even today, even as we'd go home, that, Father, you would draw our hearts back to the gospel. Father, that you would overwhelm us and amaze us all over again about the shed blood of Jesus that washes away our sins of, of Christ dying in our place on the cross so that we could be in right relationship with you. Father, open our eyes afresh to those beautiful truths, the good news, so then in our excitement we would be together a part of impacting our world. Beginning here, spreading throughout Kitsap County, the United States, and even touching parts of the world that we might not even know about right now. But is that you bring them to our attention, Father, that we would be a part of your church impacting the world so that someday 
people from some tongue or tribe or people that does not know the gospel now may be around the throne with us worshiping together. Our Lord Jesus. Amen.